Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. The race is on, and it's never too early in the year to delve into the F1 driver market, and there's huge potential for a big shake-up in 2025. But who are the key players? And based on what we know now, how is the grid likely to look in 12 months' time? I'm Ed Straw, and joining us to evaluate the landscape and extrapolate the most likely deals are Scott Mitchell-Malm and Ben Anderson. Well, Ben, we'll come to you first. This is uh, one of those poison chalice topics, isn't it? A great opportunity for us all to be wrong. Yes, absolutely. Everyone loves a bit of driver market chat. I know I do. Um, a lot of it will be guesswork at this point. Some things we can probably chart a fairly accurate course, but it will be fun. The journey will be fun and hopefully everyone will enjoy coming with us. Absolutely. And Scott Mitchell-Malm, obviously you're famous for your extremely precise driver market predictions, such <laughs> as that great Alonso statement you Is made he? a few years ago. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that because I was like, this feels like sarcasm, but I don't really understand. Like, I don't think I've ever been mocked either way for that. And then obviously, yes, I remember famously the Alonso claim, um, which actually I almost feel I, I actually would quite like for that to be dropped into the podcast at this point. Uh, for those of us who can't remember, what was the claim? That was me. Uh, that was on the post-race Hungary podcast in, it would have been, must have been 22. Um where in which I we, we were obviously talking about Alonso's situation. Everybody, everybody and their mums thought that Alonso was um, re-signing for for Alpine, and it was a done deal. And then I said at the very end of the podcast something along the lines of um, Alonso basically uh, Alonso is going to have like the Alpine deal done. He's not going to go away and meet Lance Lawrence Stroll over the su- uh, summer break and. <laughs> do a deal for Aston or or something along those lines and then literally 14 hours later he was announced or we were doing another podcast on Alonso's shock move to to Aston Martin so yeah that was it it was akin to um it was akin to when Ricardo stitched us all up do you remember in 20 uh what would that be 18 well he changed his mind on a flight didn't Uh, he 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 was all set for for Red Bull He, he had the deal he wanted and then yeah just changed his mind. Somewhere. I was literally, I was at that test at Budapest. It was the, the <laughs> second day after, it must have been the second day after the Hungarian Grand Prix, basically cusp of the yes, summer Yes, I break. went to that race and, and I spoke, left you behind, I think. I spoke to Ricardo, uh, like at that test and he just said, yeah, just basically there now, going to do the contract. So expect it all to be sorted <laughs> by the end of the summer break. And, 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 and it wasn't just being vague where you could then slot in Renault into that. He was explicitly talking about yeah. Red Bull, but then he literally changed. Yeah, he his, meant it. He meant it at the time. At that point that was exactly what he expected to happen yeah he did he changed his mind on his flight to to, to america for his uh, summer holiday so um yeah i have a tr- God, i need to stop making driver market claims around the summer break that's clearly <laughs> the trend here which means january this is the perfect time for me to do it how could i be wrong yeah you definitely can't preface anything you say with here we go <laughs> you just you just don't have the crystal ball do you? and also the because i'm not a little ball. bit of an attention seeking social media goober so <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's illustrative of the fact that the unexpected can happen and 
usually the decision makers it's only a couple of decision makers it's not like a a big thing and the, the wheels turn sometimes deals look set to be done and then they suddenly swerve opportunities come up so it kind of underlines how difficult it is to do what we're trying to do but really trying to anticipate the 2025 driver lineup is primarily about understanding the landscape and where things look like they might go now and then as it evolves because it will it will evolve if we talked about this early in 2022 we'd have been completely blindsided by things because there were people with firm contracts like Pierre Gasly who weren't where they were going to be until quite late on in the season so what we're going to do is talk through the various teams and drivers based on what we know now and can predict, try and work out what a likely shape of the grid is in 2025. And we've got our spreadsheet open. We're going to slot names in as we go along. So at the end, we can revisit our full lineup and then maybe in 12 months' time, we can see how accurate we are. Difficult task, but uh, but an interesting one. So Ben, we're going to start off with Mercedes, primarily because that's potentially an easy one. Both Lewis Hamilton <laughs> <Thank you>. and George. <laughs> well, we like to give you a nice, uh, a nice, easy, soft start. Yeah. Lewis Hamilton and George Russell are confirmed for 2025 already. So, really, done. the only, yep, done. The only potentially on. disruptive factor would be if Hamilton were to retire. Should we oh, dismiss right. that? Should we dismiss that probability, that possibility, and leave Hamilton and Russell bolded up in our uh, in our list of 25 driver lineups? So, the only thing that could change this is an absolute mammoth bombshell retirement. Exactly, a seismic move. Okay, I wouldn't rule it out completely because I think Hamilton expressed at the end of last season some doubt in himself, some general uncertainty. If the Mercedes is a dog of a car again, I can see uh, him questioning anew his commitment. He doesn't have to see out the contract, does he really? He's powerful enough and successful enough so he could walk away. And in that situation, then I imagine George Russell becomes team leader and then a bit like when Nico Rosberg suddenly retired after winning the World Championship. Everyone is calling up Toto Wolff. Maybe not everyone because they're not quite as successful, but a lot of people will be trying to call him up to engineer themselves into that second seat alongside Russell. But So it'll be bring back Bottas. Bring back Bottas. I mean, he'd, he'd be on the list, maybe, um, but I think he'd be a bit further down, you know, compared to drivers like maybe Alex Albon, maybe Sainz if he's fed up with Ferrari. Obviously, um, Mercedes are quite excited about uh, Antonelli, Andrea Kimi Antonelli as a, an up-and-comer. It'd be a bit soon for him. So I think they'd probably like to hold on a few years and blood him in somewhere else before eventually promoting him when Hamilton does stop. Um, so all bets are off if Hamilton retires, basically. But I would imagine he would see out the contract because I think when he weighs it all, he still loves racing. And if he has enough moments like Hungary last year the the qualifying lap where he knows he can access the old magic and feel what it's like to to beat the rest of the grid that'll be enough to keep him going yeah I think we really have to leave this as is he signed the two-year deal it could change and it would completely change everything that then follows but I think we have to assume that that that'll be the case and leave that Mercedes lineup as is unless you want to dissent Scott (laughs) no I think that covers it all quite nicely um there, there are there are potential variables that that can throw it whether lewis does decide to call it a day whether mercedes gets it so wrong that neither driver wants to be there whether or not those two crash into each other and it becomes um untenable and whatever one of them is is, is driven away for whatever reason but both all of those all of those feel unlikely enough 
Because even things like them, the two of them colliding, while I can see that happening again in 2024, it has to be just such a outrageously controversial kind of collision or like a series of collisions for it to make the the, the partnership toxic and uh, and something. It's, that, and know, it's nowhere it, near as poisonous as Rosberg Hamilton was over a number. No, of years. no, exactly. It, it, so, it could go that way, but it would take a long time to get there. I think exactly. So you're talking that level of toxicity to really yeah. break it down. So and and, and as we've um, we've talked about before, and I think as we voted on in an article that we've done on, on the website and I think a video as well that is on, is on or is going to be on, on our YouTube channel, you know, we, we all just about think that the Mercedes lineup is still the best in Formula 1 overall. So Mercedes is certainly going to want to keep it going. Yeah, exactly. So we have to just bear in mind there's the potential for a curveball, but balance of probability now it will be as is. And let's actually move on to Ferrari now, which is the team that I consider to have the best driver lineup because I really like how well balanced it is. But Scott, what's the state of play there? Can we put them down to stay unchanged? Neither is officially, officially confirmed for 25 as yet. No, neither, neither are, are locked in. I, I think we can pencil Charles Leclerc in though. I, I, I see that only going in, in one direction. He, he loves Ferrari. He's bought into Fred Vasseur's vision I don't think he has a better alternative on the table or a, a, an obviously better alternative on on the table you could argue that he's he could probably fashion a move to Mercedes if he wanted but I honestly think that they're I mean that's better the Red Bull inferior team you know <laughs> in that scenario so I think Leclerc sticks where he is signs though um I'm I'm gonna do a disclaimer at this point I'm being as optimistic and interesting as possible with my thoughts about what the driver market does for 2025. I think Sainz moves on for 2025. I, I think there will be uh, a point in the negotiations, and I'm obviously teeing up a Sainz announcement in the next 48 hours or so saying this. Um, <laughs> Here we point, go. Yeah, there's a point in the negotiations where Sainz realises that actually he isn't going to get long, medium to long term out of Ferrari what he wants. And he wants to be somewhere where he... If he isn't going to be top dog at Ferrari in a team where he can fight for wins possibly in the short term, he wants to set himself up longer term. I think Ferrari would be happy to offer him a one-year deal or a one-plus-one. Signs wants a bit more certainty than that. So I think in the end, Signs will be minded to go elsewhere and Ferrari won't be unhappy with that because there are some good options. So Ed, can I position a different name in place of Signs for Ferrari and can I indicate where I think Signs ends up? Well, uh, yes, you can. We'll have to decide whether we all agree with it, but you can certainly propose uh, what will happen. I think Alex Albon ends up in the Ferrari in 2025 alongside Leclerc, and I think signs gambles on the Audi project longer term and moves to what we currently know as stake to head up the would-be Audi Works programme longer term. Interesting. I must admit, I'm I'm inclined to think Sainz will stay at Ferrari. I think he's too good a teammate for Leclerc, and I think Look, if you're I'm, inclined to be boring, I can't stop. I'm you. always <laughs> I'm always inclined to be boring, but that makes things very interesting because that means it's one one. So Ben actually has all the power here. He gets the casting vote. Do we go oh, with man. Do we go with uh, with Scott's admittedly far more interesting uh, possibility, or do we well, stick with as is? so I have to choose between those two options I can't throw something else into the mix well you can throw a third one and we can continue to uh, fight it out for a bit whatever you think will happen make, make it make it a three way tie I do, I do think Scott has outlined the key hold up in that science wants more certainty out of Ferrari and if he doesn't get that you know he has to vote with his feet doesn't he or just accept it I wondered if he 
in a hypothetical scenario where Ferrari doesn't give him what he wants, yes, I agree Alex Albon is a good shout for that second seat. He's been teammates with Leclerc before, I think, in the junior category. Yeah, in GP3, yeah. Yeah, they, bat- they battled for the GP3 title. And is known to like a car balance similar to Leclerc, so that could work quite well in terms of dovetailing the two drivers. What about Fernando Alonso's situation at Aston Martin, the special relationship he has with the Science family and Science being considered a kind of natural successor to be a team leader at Aston Martin? I feel like Audi, I know there's been links because of the former McLaren administration taking over there, but I just feel like that's a bit of a, a too soon backward step for a, for a driver performing as high at, at as high a level as Science is now. That's not to say Audi won't, lift the team maybe but it feels like it's quite a few years away you effectively you're joining midfield sauber what audi would offer science is a lot of money because they're desperate to get a high quality driver lineup and a and a long-term deal it would at least be a two plus one deal he'd probably be able to get a bit more out of them potentially so that's the appeal but but it it, to me that feels like such a cashing out it it does feel like cashing out yeah that that's the the downside for me can we um completely rule out I'm not saying this would be the, the you know the casting factor, but um, can we rule out um, the the fact that that seniors obviously got strong Audi links as being a, just something that plays into it? Whether it's you know knowing the right people, speaking to the right people, getting a favourable deal, even maybe on a sentimental level, if you're talking like one percent maybe of the thing, the the idea of both both signs is race, racing for competing for the same manufacturer is that is that completely off the table as something relevant it'll help but i don't i I don't think there needs to be anything selling to audi and and stake on science i think they'd sign him up on a very favorable deal in a heartbeat if he picked up the phone to andreas seidel today and said right let's do a two plus one for a big pile of money i think it would happen so it would be nice and there'd be a nice alignment and obviously carlos senior has had a role in in science's career before Science was on the Red Bull program, basically because of Carlos's connection with with Red Bull. He wasn't a high, a high, uh, highly valued asset by Marco. Incorrectly, I should add, because Science was a very, very good driver, and he was he was an asset to Red Bull. But um, so it's not unprecedented. But I, I'm not sure it's like you say. It, it, it could be a small thing that's that's a nice alignment, but I don't really see it swinging anything it needs to swing or, or changing anything. Because if I'm Carlos Jr., I'll be looking and thinking, I am signing up to not win another race for at least three years. Right, I'm going to um, use my casting vote and say that Science actually bites his tongue, accepts the short-term Ferrari deal for 2025, and then takes over from Alonso at Aston in 2026 when Alonso retires. So Science stays at Ferrari. Boo! Let it be said, I disagree with this completely. <laughs> no, that's fine. Well, it's, it's funny because I, on the one hand, I should be quite pleased because Ben has agreed with my analysis of the situation, yes. but it's made it much more dull. But sorry, what, again, listeners. this does show we've 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 hit two teams that we've that well, some of us anyway are fairly confident will be unchanged, but they've both got elements where there could be seismic impact. So that that tells you how important it is, and in fact, Ferrari is the. It's the kind of next domino to fall, I suspect, in in this, and uh, that will have a big impact on the, on the rest of the driver market. We've already mentioned drivers like Albon, who are Albon's probably the driver with the most potential destinations for twenty five. I would argue, given the kind of 
roles that he he would he would appeal to for for a team but uh yeah we'll stick with Leclerc science so we'll get things a little bit more lively in in subsequent sections and we've got a great one coming up in a moment looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Right, Ben, we'll come on to Red Bull now. We've left okay. this to third, even though they're the, the top team, because it's quite a complicated one. We can draw the team formerly known as AlphaTauri into this discussion as well, because it's the same driver ecosystem. Yeah. So the big question is, what happens with Perez? How does that impact with Dan- How does that impact Daniel Ricciardo? And what does that mean for the rest of the driver market? Yeah, I mean, this is, this apart from whether science stays or not at Ferrari is the big, this is the, the top domino, isn't it? This would dictate everything else, really. Although it's a weird domino because quite often the Red Bull system dominoes are in their own little internal sealed off space. Contained. But <laughs> right. it, sometimes it does drift outside. So, uh, so yeah. that, that's that's the interesting question. It could, it could have a seismic impact, but or it could actually be very localised in a weird kind of way. Hey, I do feel... Like when Perez was at his lowest ebb last season, that Red Bull would have quite happily dipped outside the pool to find a replacement. And I, you know, maybe it's just coincidental, but I felt like the McLaren renewal of Piastri and trying to shore up the Norris situation was very much a sort of preemptive strike there. Because if I was Red Bull, I definitely would have had my eyes on both of their drivers. Well, we know for we know for sure that Red Bull like Norris and have kind of sniffed around a little bit there. Yeah, and Piastri obviously was someone who had flirtations with the Red Bull scheme in his junior single seater days, and you know, he looks like the real deal, doesn't he? So he'd be a great you know raw option to slot in alongside. They've got to consider what happens with Verstappen. Obviously, he's contracted until twenty twenty eight, no, or, you know, the end of time, but could just walk away at any moment. He's that sort of. Senna type driver who has the power to just decide his own future in a heartbeat so they have to consider the in the background who succeeds him so I don't think it's quite as simple as just saying oh, I know that you know keep an older driver in the second car and be fine because they could end up a couple of years or even a season after 25 with without Verstappen but just focusing on the short term Perez is in pole position I think if he raises his game enough they'll keep him on on a much shorter deal. I don't think they'd give him another two-year contract. It's obviously a hassle to change drivers. I think probably Red Bull will really want Ricardo to step on. I kind of feel like that's maybe the, the most natural fit for them, especially when you consider his popularity and the marketing potential he offers them. 
the pre-existing relationship he gets on with Verstappen. I don't think you would have the kind of weird Monaco 2022 fallout type situation between Verstappen and Ricardo that you had with Verstappen and Perez. But I'm not convinced yet about Ricardo. You know, that if you just looked at it objectively right now, probably the best, it's marginal, but the best driver they have within the ecosystem is Sonoda. But they don't have the pressure of Honda anymore or, you know, even the backing of Honda's coming up to really force that issue. So Sonoda's the uncomfortable one because if he continues to remain faster than Ricardo, it's quite difficult to say, oh, well, Ricardo's a, a, a shoe-in for the Perez seat. Also, the second team needs the experience of someone like Ricardo to help push it along. He's definitely made an impact there with his experience. Sonoda's not really a team leader driver. They've got Lawson to consider, somebody they probably want to... I mean, who knows if he's negotiated Alpha Tauri drive or whatever it's going to be called on the back of his reserve well, well, deal. I think I think on I think on Lawson, can we do we think we should pencil him in at Red Bull two? Let's call it yeah, that for, I, I for, do for next year because I think it's it's surely inevitable he'll. I be feel there like next if, year. if we if we're taking this as a whole, then the most sensible lineup at Red Bull two is Ricardo Lawson. Once they've decided, you know, Sonoda the Honda money we don't need it anymore, what have you. So Sonoda kind of I don't see him graduating to Red Bull's A team even if he deserves it. So he's got to look outside. So I kind of end up in a situation where it's Verstappen, Perez, Ricardo Lawson for 2025. That's how I see it. Interesting. I, I think there's a I think there's a reasonable chance of an all new Alpha Tauri Red Bull Two lineup for for 2025. But the problem with that is it does go against what that team wants to be, which is less of a junior team, more of a sister team. I, I, which I really is not shown any evidence of being that but that's what they keep wanting to call it. And they want to have that mix of experience and youth. So by their own um, metric of what they want to judge their driver lineup against, Ricardo and Lawson makes the most sense. But I, I don't think it's impossible to see something like a Lawson-Isaac Hajar lineup in 2025. There's something about Hajar that Ripple quite likes. There's something about Hajar that Ed Straw quite likes. And if there's... Um, I. I I can see a scenario whereby Hajar does like one thing that wins over Helmut Marco, and he just goes, "No, I want him in a Formula One car next season." Yeah, he's he's an interesting driver, Hajar. He certainly hasn't done enough as yet to justify being given the drive. But I was quite impressed with his Mexico FP1 outing. I followed that one closely. He's got a good approach. So yeah, he, he's an interesting one. I think the point you make about the what they want the the second Red Bull team lineup to be, I think that'll all be secondary to the as it will always be, no matter what rhetoric they use, it will always be secondary to the main team. So they will decide on what works for the main team based on what works for the main team, and then Red Bull 2 will will do whatever. So I must admit, I, I can see a scenario where Perez sa- saves his seat. I think if he focuses on being Sergio Perez in terms of the way he drives and approaches things rather than trying to match Verstappen, if he builds on the progress he made right at the end of the year, the approach, the experimentation he did in the Abu Dhabi test, where he could actually focus on what he was doing, then he could do it. However, I feel like that team, they want a good solid number two who works well for the team. And I can see, even if Ricardo isn't absolutely stunning in the second team, I can see them thinking, actually, we don't think Ricardo's going to be, uh, we don't think he's going to be a downgrade on Perez and he'll probably be a slight upgrade. So I sort of, I'm sort of leaning towards Ricardo ending up in that Red Bull seat. But... I think if I was Red Bull, I'd be looking at something completely different. But 
I've got a very different philosophy of what I do with drivers to Red Bull. So that, that that's that's the way I I look at it. it the, the direction they seem to be funneling towards. There, there's there is a f- there's obviously a few avenues for them to, to to go down with it, and I I've put in my provisional list for this in my suggestions. I've put Ricardo in the in the second car because. I, I can see a scenario in which Red Bull goes for the path of least resistance, which yeah. isn't actually keeping the incumbent driver. It's putting in the driver that's, um, one, in the nicest way possible to Ricardo, because I don't want it to just make it sound like he's happy making up the numbers. He will be damn grateful for that seat. And there's a little bit of a happy-to-be-here vibe about his F1 comeback. Not, It's not the overriding thing, but there's a gratitude that he has vo- vocalised quite strongly um, through 2023. We know that he has his a- outlook has changed a lot from when he when he left for primarily reasons of Verstappen getting the ascendancy. Yes, exactly. So he, I just think he would be a much less divisive um, option because we know that um, at the moment Perez won't accept or doesn't want to accept that he can't beat Verstappen, and there's just the opportunity every now and then for a little bit of needle. I, I think they get on. I, I do think it is blown out of proportion that they're. You know, it's a divided driver lineup or anything like that. I just, I think, um, I think Ricardo is just a slightly simpler option for them. And ultimately, even if we're not a hundred percent convinced by Ricardo, they're basically the same option in terms of on track ability because they're not going to rival Verstappen. They're going to have weekends where they're really good, and they're probably going to have some weekends if Ricardo's as sort of unconvincing as maybe he looked against Sonoda. He's going to have weekends where he's a bit too far adrift. So. When, when you balance it up like that, personally, if you did it purely on performance, I agree with what Ben said earlier, I'd put Sonoda in the car. But clearly there's something about Sonoda that Red Bull doesn't quite trust or, or believe in. I don't know if they, maybe they just don't think he'd handle it. So it's more of a mental thing rather than an ability thing. I, th- I think that's definitely the concern there, just the ability to, and Sonoda will talk about this himself, the emotional control and everything. He's talked about needing to learn that from Ricardo. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I think Sonoda proved himself to be quicker than Ricardo. The only caveat we have to put against that is obviously Ricardo had a limited program that was interrupted. So I think we will get the fair fair view of where Ricardo is over the first half of the coming year. I would just say to finish off my thoughts on this before Ben jumps in with another morale sapping opinion of boredom, I'm sure. You can't wait. Um, I've got uh, in addition to Ricardo got Ricardo at Red Bull. Um, Lawson Hajar as the Red Bull 2 lineup, and I have Perez staying on the grid somewhere else. I just okay, wanted to drop okay. that in. Right. Well, uh, uh, what what do you what do you want to go for, Ben? For Red Bull to Red Bull's second seat. I want to throw in a curveball that Ooh. we haven't considered. Oh, here we go. <laughs> and that is a guy who will be out of contract at the end of 2024, who was linked with Red Bull oh. before Sergio Perez took that drive. Nico Hulkenberg. That's very out of left field you could work for german media with that kind of outlook <laughs> he could do a decent job for them he could do a decent job for them i think and it because what i don't see happening is perez coming out of red bull and being the team leader at the second team they don't trust sonoda to be that leader they can't i don't think they can rely on a lawson hajar lineup for what they want so they need ricardo in place especially if they're not convinced that he's really an upgrade on Perez, but Hulkenberg, I think, as left field, especially in these type of cars, I think he's quick and would work well with Verstappen. He'd be cheap. There is because there, there, there is a factor that there is a factor that goes against that though, because one of the things we know about Verstappen is he's not a big fan of doing all the sponsor stuff and all those appearances and keeps that to a minimum. Good and point. he's got the power to do that. So you want a second driver who's really good at that. Daniel Ricciardo 
is good what that. is probably yeah. the best on the grid for that. Nico Hulkenberg, no, I would not say so much. it's not it's not <laughs> top of his his strengths uh, to do that. So so that I think in the wider perspective might uh, might count against yeah. him a little bit. And to be fair, you know when he was teammates with Ricardo at Renault, it's nip and tuck. I mean, so I don't think necessarily Hulkenberg's a guaranteed upgrade in terms of pace. Ricardo did have the edge there, although I think the, the formula has gone a bit more against Ricardo. Since yeah, may, and maybe a bit more in Hulkenberg's favour. I think he'd have the right mentality. The concern with even a, a left field external option like an Albon is, again, like I don't think Red Bull would trust the mentality. What you, you said, Scott, about Sonoda and Edgy backed up, you know, not being trusted to cope. Obviously, Albon's rebuilt himself, but he was shattered by being Verstappen's teammate. And I think Red Bull will be wary of that. Plus, they've got five drivers for four seats already. So it's quite inefficient to be like, oh, we still need to dip outside the pool. So rounding it all up, I'm actually going to go with your suggestion of Ricardo in that seat. Okay, I, I, th- I think we're unanimous on Ricardo, and I should stress this is what we are predicting will happen, rather than what we want to happen. It, it's based on what we think is the most likely. Yeah. Can I just throw in quickly because I think we need to discuss it, even if we dismiss it. Can we can we completely rule out Red Bull just paying through the nose to buy out Norris's contract? I don't think we can rule out them trying to do that. But how much would McLaren need for that to happen? I guess maybe if they got a shed load of money and could get and could get I think a fifty million plus. Even then, even then, why? And they but they don't need to because the because Verstappen Verstappen is so good in that car is so good. I just don't think they need a second driver of that quality. I mean, if they suddenly find that Merck, Ferrari, McLaren are all all over them and Verstappen can't do it by himself, then they will need to to panic by somebody. But I really think they could plug the the least offensive option into that second car, someone who can tick over the points board, and they don't really need to worry about the, them being super competitive. So I'd rule that out. I can't see McLaren being willing to sell Norris for that amount I think they have to sell much higher I think Red Bull would be willing to pay serious money but I I just look at it and think yes Piastri has made a great start he's still got some progress to make on his race performances in terms of time management that's perfectly normal for a rookie and I'm sure he will but I I just think the tariff for McLaren would be so high I I guess it's the last year of Norris's contract that could play into it if Norris said you know that someone like Alex Albon's on the market as well potentially I mean we know McLaren uh, do like Albon so it's possible I, 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 I just I just can't see it being a good reflection on McLaren's ambition it's more likely if McLaren doesn't kick on as hoped in 2024 that's certainly the case but if McLaren carries on on the trajectory really in fairness Scott if Piastri keeps giving Norris a hard time, that might combust a little bit at McLaren. And actually, Norris would be the automatic successor to Verstappen, I think, if you had a blank slate. So if Red Bull genuinely felt like they were going to lose Verstappen early, I could see them making a big play to get Norris. Piastri slots into that position. And then someone like Albon, I agree, would be a good good player to slot in alongside Piastri at McLaren without them really losing too much because they're so convinced that Piastri can can be the real thing. Or bring back science if he's available. Yeah. I just think a factor within all of that is ultimately like what Norris wants because if, if, if McLaren k- kicks on with the relationship that he's got there and the fact that at the moment he's top dog, he's going to have a, an amazing contract at, at the moment and a new one would, would be even more lucrative for him, I'm sure. But... If there's any doubt about McLaren for Norris, if there's any sign that Ribble is seriously interested, 
if if uh, if Norris isn't going to sign a new contract, it's not a reflection of McLaren's ambition to then go well. If we're losing him at the end of twenty five anyway, cash we in. might as well cash in, yeah. and then we get a driver who we think okay, maybe he's not got the absolute last point one percent of paces. Norris, someone like Alex Albon, but he's going to be a great option to have alongside Piastri in the medium term. Get him in instead. Like I can see That's fair, that happening. Yeah. I, that, it doesn't change my pick now because I think that requires McLaren to to slip up badly from where they ended 2023. But I just wanted that. I feel like we needed due diligence. We needed to have that Norris discussion. Yeah, it doesn't dissuade. Doesn't, but it doesn't dissuade. I just think it's like maybe a year too early. I think it all depends really on where McLaren is. There's no doubt Norris. His desire will be to ride the McLaren train to race wins and championship pushes. I don't think he forsake a McLaren that's doing that or looking like it's about to do that in order to be Verstappen's teammate at Red Bull. I'm not sure that's no. a great trade-off. But yes, there are scenarios where the 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 equation could change quite a little bit. So yeah, it was it was worth raising that uh, that I think. But I think we've got Ricardo in, in in the second Red Bull seat uh, for now. And we can get on to McLaren now, Scott, because along with the Mercedes, it's the second and final team to have a lineup confirmed. Lando Norris is under contract to the end of 25, Piastri to the end of 26. So we've addressed already a little bit the forces that might change there. But for what we're doing now, we have to expect that to be the same in 25, don't we? Yeah, I don't think we need to dwell on this one much at all. We've pretty much covered the the, the main factor for McLaren in that previous little um, end of the Red Bull uh, segment. I think it all depends on whether or not um, McLaren has uh, done enough to keep Norris convinced. I don't think, and this is sincere because obviously Mercedes and Ferrari, I think, have underachieved versus where they are. I don't think McLaren needs to be the second best team in F1 this year for Norris to 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 still buy into it. And to still believe, actually, this is on the trajectory it needs to be. I think if they're in that mix, I think they have to be top four in the championship, certainly. I, I think they, what they can't do is can't afford to slip behind an Aston or a, an Alpine. But if they're, if they're sniping at Red Bull occasionally and properly in the mix against Mercedes and Ferrari, I think Norris is sort of locked in still in that medium term for the duration of his, his, his contract and doesn't want out. And if he doesn't want out, I don't see a Red Bull, even if they want him, swooping for him. So therefore Norris stays because he's under contract and Piastri's going nowhere. He, he, knows, he knows that's a great place for him to be, certainly in the medium term. Yeah, I think Norris's place at McLaren looks more secure than at any time in the last few years, the trajectory they're on. He clearly trusts Andrea Stella as well. He's spoken really highly of him, so it feels like that everything there is moving in the right direction. At the moment, he's got Piastri covered because Piastri, especially in the races, is just that bit weaker. So I think the only curveballs really are Norris deciding he doesn't want to stay beyond 2025 and as Scott outlined, whether McLaren needs to cash in on that before losing him for free, effectively, uh, and whether the Piastri becomes so good so quickly that Norris becomes too uncomfortable in that situation. And a bit like Ricardo did when he was at Red Bull the first time around, decides I need out because I don't like the way this is going. But these are unpredictable things in the future. I think this is probably the most secure of all the lineups we're discussing. So I wouldn't change it. Right, let's move on to Aston Martin now, Ben. Neither Aston Martin driver is confirmed. So what do you think the future holds for Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll? (laughs) Well, I think, we probably would all agree that Lance Stroll is just eternally in that seat until such time as he either convinces his dad he's had enough and 
wants to do something else or his dad's had enough and flogs the team. So I think Stroll's a lock, especially if the performance trajectory remains upward and he doesn't have another huge slump like he had in the middle of last year. I think, you know, we got to Qatar and it was maybe on the bubble, but he's repaired that, I think, in the races since. Yeah, the last three weekends picked up a bit and he was kind of back at that level where, you know, he's not Alonso's he's level, solid. but you sort of look at him and you're thinking, okay, you can produce solid drives yeah. and bring home an amount of and points. He, and he seems to, you know, with how he responded to the injury at the start of the season and then how he responded eventually to that mini slump to have dug deep found a little bit of maturity and some kind of inner steel uh, I think you spoke to him about this Scott actually didn't you at the end of last season and it was kind of an encouraging sign that his you know the sort of eternal misery that he exuded at Williams that's not quite there anymore like even when there are setbacks he seems to have some bounce back ability yeah I think there's I think there's a degree of doubt over both drivers. I don't think either's a hundred percent for 2025. I don't think it will go as far as an all-new driver lineup for Aston. I, my gut feeling is that Alonso will stay, um, but I think Stroll is kind of 50-50, maybe 60-40 likely to stay because it's basically dependent, I think, on how he performs. Because I don't think, I think if he had another season like 2023, where there, there, there were genuinely some cases of misfortune in that season that, that that didn't help, but it wasn't the overall reason why he was so inferior to to Alonso. So I don't think, in terms of what that team wants to achieve, I don't think Aston Martin, regardless of who owns the team, who's the chairman, will would accept that level of performance longer term. But I also don't think Stroll himself will want to be in Formula One if that is his long-term future just being teammate to someone who scores what is it eight podiums through a season and and Stroll gets nowhere near a podium frankly um so I think there's I think there's a reasonable chance that Alonso has a new teammate in 2025 but I would say one given his scenario within the team the circumstances and and two the fact that he clearly isn't a driver without ability I, it's in Stroll's hands. So gut feeling is Alonso Stroll probably carries on. But I will say on my provisional list, because I didn't have him staying within the Red Bull family, I've actually got Sonoda in here yeah. for two reasons. Me too. One, I, I, I just objectively think he now he deserves a place in, in Formula One. I think he has I think he's smoothened out enough of the rough edges that he does deserve a place on the grid. And I just, I don't want to underestimate the potential influence of Honda 26 onwards. It's not the kind of deal where Honda's paying so much money to Aston Martin that they guarantee a second, they, they get they get driver choice or anything like that. But they will want a say. They have said this. They will be involved in the discussions to a degree. And I think there's just about enough of a performance argument that, that if, that if, um, if you replace Stroll and Sonoda was available, I think he'd be a really good option for them. But also, you denied me my Albon to Ferrari move. So I think actually uh, Albon <laughs> would be a fantastic option. He'd be an f- absolutely fantastic option for Aston Martin alongside Alonso. 
Albon feels like a great option for that team if either of those drivers leave. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he's um, he, he could slot in there as the leader or as the f- excellent, basically equal status driver in the quote-unquote second car. But correct me if I'm wrong, though. Isn't Aston slash Stroll paying Honda this time around? So the arrangement is a little bit backwards in the sense that Honda won't have quite as much say as they would have done in the past when they were paying through the nose to partner with the team. Yeah, but that's that's what I was saying. I, I don't think they have. I don't think they have a choice of the. Se- they don't have control of the second seat. But, yeah, sure. You know, they're they're in, they're in there as a as a partner, regardless of the terms, and yeah, there'll be okay. some some potential to to leverage there. Um, and I'm sure if you if they were if they decide that Sonoda's the big Japanese hope, there's been over the last twelve months or so, as I understand it, there's been a bit of like Honda deciding is it Sonoda or Owasa that we back longer term as a Formula One driver because we want a, a driver in Formula One. And I think Sonoda's made a great case for himself, whereas Awasa is kind of almost there, but he's got a bit of a make-or-break season this year to even get into F1 in the first place. And so if Honda's like, actually, it's just it's much better for us and it's, very, and it's better for interest in F1 in Japan for us to have a Japanese driver, I can see them. I can see there being a conversation there about, right, what would it take? And, yeah. whether, and, you know, when you've got that potential element there, plus the performance element, that's why Sonoda enters the picture, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I had Sonoda on my, you know, ideal list, if you like. I think he he won't progress at Red Bull, but is, as I've said before, probably slightly better option than the ones they have. And I think he, he should be considered by any of those teams in the, yeah. certainly the, the sort of fifth down to tenth. And and I figured too that the the emerging Honda links or the future Honda links would make a compelling case if he continues to perform well. So I can definitely see a scenario where Stroll doesn't cut it, gets fed up again, and they decide to make a change. I think Alonso will almost certainly stay for 2025. I think he has an option, doesn't he, Ed, anyway, to that extent? I believe so. I'm not 100% certain, but I'd assume that would be a two plus one, and I'm sure the option's on his side as well. Yeah, exactly. And if that's the case, I think he'll just, you know, unless everything falls apart spectacularly and unexpectedly, I think he's a lock. Well, we've got we've so got, that, we've got got Alonso, I think, as the one. So the, the real question is what we say with Stroll. It, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there is a way out for Stroll. He could go and do the, the Valkyrie sports car project and go there and I'm sure he could do a, a good job in that so that, that's the big question what's uh what probability we put on Stroll yeah I I if I have to weigh it I think it's maybe just slightly too soon for him to to call it quits again I think the team kind of needs to plateau or he needs to have a elongated disaster and realize himself that he's plateaued to suddenly walk out I think the fact that the end of last season was better will be enough to sustain him into this year and riding this year is okay I can just see him eking it out a bit a bit longer personally I don't think maybe that's the ideal driver lineup but I feel like it's the most likely still yeah not the ideal driver lineup but I but I I I can I can foresee you know looking beyond to like 26 when Honda is involved that it's suddenly like Sonoda Science for example you know if what we said about Ferrari transpires he, I could see him replacing Alonso there, or an Albon type, you know, somebody else who's who's more highly rated than than Stroll is. Can I suggest that if we're going to go with the continu- continuity option here as Alonso Stroll, that we um, pencil in because I believe we did ultimately commit to uh, Ricardo for Red Bull. I think that means we pencil in a Lawson Sonoda lineup at Red Bull too, because I think I think Sonoda 
regardless of the fact that that Honda link is fading there, if they want that experience and youth combination, you know, by that, that point, he'll have had enough seasons under his belt. He knows the team inside out. The performance is there. He's just the perfect no-brainer continuity option for Red Bull as well, just alongside bringing Lawson in as a full-time rookie. Agreed. So I think that I think that takes care of it if we're not slotting him in at Aston Martin. Okay, I can I can see a scenario where they might want to bring in another younger one, but you've both gone, so we'll put him there. And so are we, st- are we sticking with Stroll? Sorry, with Isaac. <laughs> are we sticking with Stroll with Aston Martin? I think, I think on, so. I think it's a. I think he edges it just. It, it so all feels now. very. I think Ben used the figure sixty forty. I think we're all kind of in that that same thing. Because Scott, it, yeah. I, again, it becomes what you know. If if I was in Aston Martin's position, I'd be looking at getting in. Uh, an Alban or uh, or a Science in that seat, but obviously there's specific reasons why why strolls there. <laughs> yeah, I think the family connection probably edges it in a marginal decision. He stays, doesn't he? Yeah, I agree. I I I would have and did have one or two drivers above Stroll on 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 my list, but if we're gonna go down that route, and obviously my original idea of Albon at Ferrari I've found an alternative home for Albon where I think he ends up if Sainz ends up at Ferrari so I'd have no problem with leaving Albon off of Aston Martin and having Aston Martin as a slightly boring continuity lineup. and also we've got to consider Drogovic don't we who they've got hanging around as reserve driver so. and F2 champion is, is he is he just perennially hanging around as a reserve with no yes future? I think so I, I, okay. I don't see him as a, I think if uh, the one scenario is if Stroll has a terrible first half of the season or something, Drogovic might get a chance and could change things. But I I don't see... The the only serious interest in Drogovic in general I've seen from teams is when they thought he may have decent backing behind him that he can bring. So I'm not sure Drogovic is is rightly or wrongly in a great position to to get anything. Again, you never know, but I, I don't think Drogovic is a big threat for a, for an Aston seat. Okay, so we write him off as a full kit bench warmer and it's simply a case of Alonso Stroll continuing or not. I think we're settled on Alonso Stroll then, aren't we? At least for 25, probably. Yeah, I think that's the most likely, but again, another one of those curveball asterisks. It'd be a desirable seat if he does decide he wants to move on to, say, sports cars. But uh, yeah, we have to go with Alonso Stroll at the moment. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Right, Scott, let's get on to Alpine now. Neither driver's officially confirmed for 24. Esteban Ocon's out of contract. I think there's some kind of option for Pierre Gasly. So what happens there? I think uh, Pierre Gasly might do enough in 2024 to make this team his own. And I think in that scenario, given the potential for fireworks and I Gasly was so open towards the end of last year, wasn't he, about just how hard he's worked to make that relationship viable, that Gasly Ocon feud that has existed for a very, very long time and is very deep rooted. Well he characterized it as he'd basically done all the heavy lifting on that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like he's so, so, like how hard he has worked for for to, to, to make it work. So I just think if you then if you as Alpine or Renault think Nagasli is the number one here now, like he has come in and he's just got a bit more about him. And then I just think, does Ocon want to stay in that environment? And I don't think he does. So I can see a scenario here where Ocon wants out and I have a team in mind that I think Ocon would be very high on, on the list for. So I think Gasly stays and Ocon leaves. And I think because... Correct me if I'm wrong, Ed, but I'm pretty sure this organisation was interested in him at some point. I I can see a scenario whereby Valtteri Bottas doesn't have a future at at, at Audi because he's too old, but he has another midfield move in him and he's made it clear he wants to stick around in F1. He's a race winner, he's got loads of experience, like... And also, he's a little bit anonymous, so he just ticks every box that Alpine wants from a Formula One. A seat swap. You're proposing a seat swap. You have guessed where I think Ocon goes. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective, I think Gasly will stay, and I can see that Ocon scenario arising as well. So, provided Ben agrees, I think we've got Gasly inked in now for... uh, for Alpine yet, Ben nods, which is always good. For I agree with Gasly. You've, yeah. uh, you've vocalised yeah. the nod. Uh, <laughs> so it then comes down to, we'll come back to kind of where Ocon goes in a minute. So it's just working out that second driver. There's a lot of options. Bottas is one. Sergio Perez, I think, might interest them. Some Red Bull expertise to bring to the team. They might look at an Alex Albon as well, if they can beat others to, to him. So th- there's a few options there for Alpine, I think. Yeah, I think Albon would probably steer clear. I think he would be coveted enough or maybe even just better off being Williams' team leader for a bit longer than going there alongside Gasly. So I'd, I'd rule that one out. Yeah, Bottas, Bottas to Alpine. Because we're at the point now where you're dealing with, as you move down the food chain, drivers are picking from fewer options and they're and basically you have a chance of picking some veteran who's maybe best days in terms of results are behind them or you take a young gun or you take someone who's been around a bit and has maybe got some limitations but if you can kind of play to their strengths you can kind of moneyball your way to some great performances so that, that's always a thing to bear in mind there. I think also you just have I do think you have a quite a good complement complementing driver lineup there with Gasly and Bottas in terms of their relative strengths. Um, for example, I, I can't see 
and Team Endstone wanting Nico Hulkenberg back in the fold because I think him versus Gasly is a little bit too much of the same thing, which is they'll do you occasionally great um, great weekends, but they're also, you know, how unlikely is it that they'll drive into each other or be a bit mardy or, you know, just bring things down. I think you'd be that combination of Gasly-Bottas is quite nice from a personal point of view, personality point of view, the bit of... Um, complementary elements there but also just from a driver point of view Gasly's just sort of younger guy who, who does look like he's you know really in a position to be strong for an upper midfield team and a works team and Bottas he just has just has enough currency about him he's a multiple race winner he's an ex-Mercedes driver he 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 to Alpine and Alpine to Bottas just feels like a good combination for them because Alpine's just big enough in terms of it being Renault Group to give Bottas quite a nice appealing deal that I don't see him getting anywhere else on the grid. Yeah, he's he's probably one of the the high performing midfield drivers. I was going to make a case for Hulkenberg going back, but Scott shot that down for me, uh, and I'm I'm convinced actually that Bottas is a better bet there. Perez, I think he's I th- I honestly think Perez is too damaged by his experience at Red Bull to be considered. The right option there. I can see Perez washing up somewhere. It's it, it's interesting. I don't think I don't think Alpine though. I I do think I think it's close, but I think uh, yeah, probably Bottas is is in a scenario where Ocon wants out and gets out. Bottas is probably a number one contender. Okay, so, yeah, well, I'd, go, I'd I'd agree with that lineup. Well, Gasly there's, Bottas. There's two Bottases there, so I will uh, bow to the majority when it comes to that one. And obviously, as we're moving down the grid, it gets harder and harder because there's so many different knock-ons that yeah. there's so many different dominoes we've had to kind of predict. That uh, the more the more extrapolations you make, the harder harder it becomes. So it's it's quite a tricky one. So we move on to Williams next. Obviously, the big question there is: Can it keep hold of Alex Albon? And if not, what op- what options do you think it has? Oh, I think they they're Albon a bust, aren't they? Almost, not quite, but uh, I think they will do everything and are doing everything they can to keep Albon. I think if they're doing everything they could, they maybe already could have gotten committed. To be honest, do you think? I, I'm I'm just I'm just not completely convinced. I don't know. I may be wrong, but what and that the team wants to build around him, or that he's convinced about staying there. I think the team wants to build around him, but. He's like I said. He's a driver who there's a lot. Of t- you know, we haven't actually slotted him in at one of the front half of the grid teams, funnily enough. But there's plenty of scenarios because whenever any of these, oh, if the unexpected happens, then there's Albon. There's Albon. There's, he's a he's a great contender for so many teams. Yeah. I think so. But it's got to be right uh, for him as well, hasn't it? Obviously, obviously Williams. Obviously, Williams would be blown out of the water by one of the top teams, no question. And then it comes down to a question: What happens in? fiddling around here so yeah but but yeah the key question is do they keep Albon and I think of the remaining teams we've got the big opposition there is Stake who do like Albon would be willing to pay him extremely well give him a long-term deal and then I think it comes down to which project do you prefer uh, that's a good point that's, a, that's yeah, an interesting is, question yeah. and actually he would by doing that move he wouldn't be automatic number two because obviously the top team scenarios we've discussed are all really Alban slots in if they have a gap and it's alongside it's alongside he's a number two he's a number two, he's a number two yeah. or an emergency number one if yeah. something unexpected happens and a few people retire or just something. yeah yeah so, so so that's his value to the and the current race winning team. and he kind of has to weigh that up against being the big fish in the small pond at Williams but I can accept that he might not have ultimate faith in the Williams pond to sustain life in the way that he wants and maybe 
the what will become the Audi team is actually a good punt for him. And of course, if we've slotted Ocon in there, that would be quite a strong lineup for that team to have to build around for the the Audi incoming. And it would be a good test of whether Albon is at the level we think he's at because Ocon has shown he's a very good Formula One driver, but he's someone who's kind of been written off by a few top teams, hasn't he? Mercedes weren't convinced, let him go to, to Renault. Now it looks like Gasly's kind of edging him out of the Renault Alpine team. So we, you know what you're getting with Ocon. I think he's a very solid option, but he's he's not going to be the necessarily the guy you automatically build around. Yeah, I feel we have. To, I think we've kind of got to bundle stake in with this now. I think Albon Ocon is close to the the optimum driver lineup yeah. that, that that team can realistically get. Science is. I'd agree other. with that. Yeah. I'd say two from three of Albon Ocon science is is the ultimate, and I think Albon Ocon is the yeah. the more likely. So I agree. That, that creates an interesting scenario whereby Williams then has a vacancy in one seat, and given Logan Sargent held on to the seat for this year by his fingertips the big question there is is whether it's an all-new driver lineup and that's a, a very uh yeah very interesting question so i then think in that scenario uh because obviously we are talking about williams they go for perez he was linked with williams many moons ago i think perez would be a decent option to slot in there as the experienced guy the number one give him the love that he's been lacking or feels he's been lacking at Red Bull and then they also replace Sargent because I just don't think he's good enough and they take they take Antonelli as the Mercedes high uh, powered rookie that they help blood in yeah for future Lewis Hamilton's succession planning. Yeah, I certainly like the idea of Antonelli there. It's obviously a big ask. He's stepping up from Formula Regional Europe. Well, Formula Regional, he did Middle East as well, I think, last year. Won that as well. Into F2. So that's a big ask for him in his first F2 season. But the whole thing of if you're good enough, you're old enough. And for Staffan exactly. showed how good you can be. And I think if I was James Vowles, I've written a piece about this before, that would be what I would be looking to do. Get Antonelli for a few years on loan, prep him for Mercedes, yeah. kind of do the George Russell thing. They got three years out of Russell. And that was three years when really George Russell was about the only good thing about Williams. So I think Antonelli is a great option. And yeah, Perez makes sense to me. I, I do wonder if there's a scenario whereby Perez could end up at Alpine and then Bottas goes back to Williams as the experienced yeah, hand. I, th- I thought the same thing, but we're kind of locking in Bottas, aren't we, to state? Well, we can swap. We can sw- uh, to Alpine rather. Oh, um, sorry, to Alpine. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Well, that that was that seemed to be where he is. We can still shuffle around, but yeah, at, at the moment, while well, both you and Scott went. Bottas for Alpine, like I can see that perfectly valid. So almost Bottas and Perez get sort of paired. I can yeah. see, or even Hulk, one even Hulkenberg. I know I'm trying desperately to place him in every team, but again, he <laughs> would be someone I think who would, by the end of 24, probably want to get out of Haas if there's an option. I mean, he tried Stake. I think wanted to get him, didn't they? Well, I think he kind of becomes. I mentioned those three names for for Stake. I think he's almost the fourth name in yeah. that in terms of uh, yeah, Science Ocon, uh, Albon, and. Yeah, Hulkenberg's the the other one. Hulkenberg's age will count against him because they'll want someone that they can feel like they can build around for five years in an ideal world. Although teams are always looking for that long term building around, and then it's not that often that, that drivers stay for uh, <laughs> stay for quite that long. But uh, that's what they will be looking for. So yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. And obviously, once again, teams like Williams are going to be well down the the pecking order in terms of what's there so you're looking at crumbs on the table yeah exactly that's what I was about to say so if they in a scenario I think which we are 
leaning towards where Albon doesn't stay because there's better offers, then I think the only one they can really lock in is the is the sergeant replacement. And I, providing he goes well in F2 and does what Mercedes think he's capable of, I, I can definitely see Antonelli in the second seat. And then it's just a case of picking up whichever experienced driver is left on the market to replace Albon. Yeah, which brings us to that uh, Bottas or Perez kind of possibility. So, Scott, to bring you back in on this, we've talked about Williams. We're thinking we're, thinking we're going to end up with maybe Albon being tempted by the offer of stake, a long-term deal, the Audi project, some big money. Albon and Ocon end up at stake, and then it's going to be Antonelli, if he does well enough in F2, as the, as the young gun with an experienced hand, maybe a, a Perez, or I know we've got him locked in at Alpine, a Bottas. So how do you think about that whole possibility i think stake and out and williams we kind of have to pair together given the the importance of alban in that i'm a little bit worried about my um, privacy to be honest because i feel like you two have somehow hacked into my um standalone document that i made <laughs> for my original because i have i look at my screen right now and i have williams perez and antonelli stake alban and ocon so <laughs> I, I i'm afraid i can't offer any i can't offer a dissenting voice on this one it, it makes a lot of sense because with williams i just feel like i think I think there's a chance Albon's already outgrown where that team's at, like or the the recovery, because I don't see them making the step they need to this year to be on Albon's level yeah. in terms of where Albon is in the driver pecking order versus where Williams is in the team pecking yeah, order. Yeah, he, so he, he was top to six for us, wasn't he, last year, easily. Yeah, exactly. And Williams are not going to be a top six team. And Williams overachieved by finishing yeah. seventh in um, 20, 2023. So, um, because of Albon. Yeah, exactly. So I, I just think they'll struggle to even replicate that. His, his currency um, is year. at its highest as well since Red Bull. So exactly. he, he, he so does think, need to cash in on that, I think. Yeah, and, and I can absolutely see a James Vowles, Williams going, Antonelli want a piece of that, more than happy to have him in a George Russell style drive. Perez being the experienced hand is the slightly more uncertain one. But... One element, and I might be wrong on this, but one element I do wonder is, obviously we know that that American side is very, very big for, for Williams. They're trying very hard there. And Perez is a very uh, is a very useful asset to have on on, on that side. Um, not, for the, not for the South American market, as Marco might think, but for the uh, Northern, <laughs> Northern American market. Well, there's a couple of things there. Firstly, Perez has spoken to Williams in the past. And also, Williams is very active commercially in the USA. Perez isn't an American driver, but there's a there's a bit of regional connection there. So they might think that gives a little bit of... Oh, uh, that seals the deal. Sergeant in, out, in, Perez in. in. <laughs> there we go. Done. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, personally, if I was doing it purely based on mine, I'd probably flip it and go Bottas at Williams and Perez at Alpine. But I think it's it's really the same proposition there between those two. I think Williams, if they go the Antonelli route, and I think they should because the upside of a driver like that is huge, and I think that's what they need to be looking for. You've got to pair them with someone experienced. Uh, the advantage, I think, from their perspective for Bottas is I think Bottas, we've seen the way he's worked with Joe at, at, at Sauber, at, at, at Alfa Romeo Stake, whatever we want to call it. So I think maybe Bottas will be favoured in that regard. Then it comes down to what Bottas likes the idea of and maybe a return to Williams might amuse him, bookend his career uh, that way. But certainly if you've got Antonelli, you've got to have an experienced hand in the other seat. I, I was going to say, actually, for Bottas, I think the fact that he's driven for Williams before counts against him in terms of what he'd want. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he'd, I think he'd like the idea of doing something new. And I think he's even, I think he even talks about that when he got to the end of his Mercedes um, uh, deal and talked about moving to 
to, to what was then Alfa Romeo. Um, obviously, there was a big money move um, on the table there. There was something, you know, going and partnering with Fred Vasseur. He was very convinced that that was the, the beneficial thing for him financially, but also competitively, because it was a more competitive proposition than Williams. But it was also about, you know, not going back and just treading over the, 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 the same ground again. And yes, Williams is a very different proposition to what Bottas faced a couple of years ago. But I just think, I just think for what he has left in his F1 career or what I think he probably has left in his F1 career, he's just going to get a bit more a bit more out of an Alpine move. Not necessarily competitively. There is a, definitely a possibility where in the next two or three years the uh, Williams-Alpine trajectories cross over. But I think just from a personal level, I think there's a bit more that Bottas can get out of that move. I think even though it's been chaotic recently, Alpine is a, is a sure bet right now than Williams is. I think Bottas's currency is... It's still is, a works team. Yeah, it's so. still a works team. The Bottas currency is still high enough. And also, let's not forget, he has gone on record saying he wants to be there for Audi coming in where he is now. So in a scenario where it doesn't look like they're going to want him, that I think that says to me his mindset is still, I'm a big deal enough to be in a big deal team, a works team. So if he can't stay at stake and be part of the Audi project, Alpine's the next best move. I don't think Williams seriously comes into that conversation. It, it feels like a another move down the line when Bottas is in the kind of Raikkonen mercenary phase of just trying to eke his career out for as long as possible. And I don't think he's quite there yet. It also comes down to what the teams perceive them as. There's a, f- a few concerns that maybe Bottas is a little bit, uh, sometimes a little bit distracted by off-track activities, etc. And that's played a part in his inconsistency. But then again, well, he learned always, from Lewis, didn't he? Then, well, then again, he's also he's always been a bit inconsistent because he's not the most adaptable driver in the world, as we've said. When he's good, he's brilliant. But yeah. there's quite a few bad weekends in amongst with that. And he had a tremendous amount of bad luck last year as well. So there's a lot of questions there. Can he convince stake Audi that he's he's the person to to keep he can't be discounted from that and then if you're Alpine well do you want the experience or do you think oh actually we want to roll the dice on somebody uh on, on somebody younger but I don't see not when they've got Gasly I don't think so I don't get much impression that they're super excited about doing as an F1 race driver nah. Doing was very fast in F2 last year but didn't quite turn that into a title push but can't be uh, ruled out but uh, yeah and, and also in these teams I think it's worth mentioning because we've kind of without directly addressing him we've written Joe out of uh, out of stake and given his appeal at the Chinese market you know he's, he's a good person to work with good sensible driver of a few years of experience we can't discount him as a potential say Williams driver or even Haas driver if they want to bring some money in so w- we shouldn't completely discount Joe. I was just about to say, I think he makes perfect sense for Gene Haas's version of what an F1 team needs to be. Um, because if that's an F1 team that's not going to get investment from its owner, it's got to get its investment from somewhere, right? Um, I can 100% see a world in whereby someone like MoneyGram doesn't want to be part of a Gunter Steinerless Haas going forward, and that's a shortfall that's going to have to be made up somewhere. I, I genuinely don't think that team is as appealing commercially because I just don't see how it's going to get talked about and get any TV coverage this year without Steiner because he's pretty much the only interesting thing about them. So I can absolutely see Joe slotting into... I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but Joe slotting into Haas as like the more experienced... You're stealing my slot, like, Scott. And then like an Ollie, Be- <laughs> and an Ollie Behrman being the, the interesting left field um, high potential choice. Well, let's make this the, the Haas thing then, Ben. What do you make of that 
we've sort of tacitly written Kevin Magnuson out of that, which based on his performance in 2023 doesn't seem an unreasonable conclusion. No, I'd written him out, actually. I think also because, you know, he he's very much a sort of Steiner hire, I think. So I I can also, with the trajectory of that team, it looks very unconvincing. It's almost like rats fleeing a sinking ship, isn't it? So I could actually see both drivers being out at the end of 24, Magnussen first order and Hulkenberg second order. I think what Gene... Well, has- if, if, if I had to bet on one drive to be there, I think it'd be Behrman. Yes, that's what I was about to say. I think from what Gene has said about, you know, wanting to move even closer to Ferrari, that's the one thing he seems positive and active about doing. That that and we know that Komatsu's a big fan of Behrman based on his FP one appearances. So I think Behrman is absolutely their number one target for twenty twenty five. And then it's just who is available, who wants to be there on the cheap as well, to slot in alongside him. And I can see Hulkenberg, the frustration he had at the end of last season with the direction the team was going in, that just persisting. So he just wants out, even if it means he's off the grid. And he'll try to get in as one of these experienced names at Stake, Alpine, Williams, and hope that he you know, ends up being the favoured choice over one of the other names we've mentioned. Mag- Magnuson, I think he's probably done after this season. I don't see a team going for him unless scenarios we haven't discussed happen whereby there's just a shortfall of drivers um and he won't hang around to be a reserve not with his you know family life and everything else taking precedent so i think it's bearman and probably you know based on what scott said actually joe who in my initial feeling was just going to drop off the grid i think actually yes based on the need for that commercial angle he's probably the best option for Haas on that basis so it probably ends up being joe bearman the the one question mark i do have is just whether or not, and this sort of not to take us back to discussing other teams again, but it's it's really interesting to see sort of whether any commercial need does mean that Hulkenberg's got no interest and no route into Haas. Because if Haas has a commercial need for from the driver side, then Hulkenberg's not going to have a route in there. If Haas has a commercial need on the driver side, Hulkenberg's not going to want to be there. And then it's about does he leave F one again entirely? Or could he take one of those experienced driver slots that we've mentioned, uh, like we talked about it before, but like Alpine or Williams or or, or whatever? It would mean going going back to where he's he's driven before. I, I don't think it's impossible. I personally, I think it would depend on whether or not one of those teams would prefer a slightly steadier Perez Bottas type over a over over a Hulkenberg, especially with some question marks over you know what he's like as a as a racing driver. But I just don't see. I personally think he wants out of Haas already. So I just. I just don't see why he would stay there for next year. And I'm not 100% convinced that the new Haas team principal is a massive fan of Kevin Magnussen because Komatsu has Komatsu has talked Magnussen up in a way in, in the last sort of two or three years. I remember speaking to him at the end of what we thought was Magnussen's last season. Um, and he did say there that actually there's elements of Kevin's driving that has clearly improved in his time with us. You know, he has got better at... He has got better at tyre management and he has got better at, you know, judging a race drive. But there are still still clearly limitations in his technique. And we saw that really badly with the car's weaknesses last year. So I think Komatsu's not going to be convinced that Magnussen's the right guy going forward. And I just think if if Behrman's your hotshot and you just want that help pay the bills driver in the other car, then Joe's... 
the and the area that Joe's an upgrade on Holkenberg is probably his the ease of working with him in the team. So I I can see it happening for sure. Or Perez is an option for them if he doesn't land at say Williams. I think we we put Perez as maybe the number one contender for Williams, but say that's not rich enough for him. Maybe the the US links being slightly more overt has put him in the mix there. I think I think Perez is not going to have a great choice of options now that we've elbowed him out of Red Bull finally. But I could see him as a as a, a more convincing number one Haas option than Joe. I suspect, though, that it might be difficult. Perez might not be able to really commit to a team like Haas, given where, where it's at. It sounds like he wants to stay on the grid, and I think he can handle dropping down to the midfield. But if Haas goes the way we're fearing, then it, it might not... Too much of a drop. Much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't I think mean he's, well, he's well backed, though, isn't he? So he, he ticks that box in a way that Holkenberg doesn't, that Bottas doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do think there's a there's... There's a, there's a still a reasonable chance of Hulkenberg staying on because he should perform well this season. He won't. Uh, he's one of those drivers who will end up. There's, there's quite a few teams sort of in the middle of the pack and the back part of the pack who he'll be on the list for. But I think I can see Hulkenberg being a little bit too far down the list on most of those cases. But it depends on how things shuffle around. But he's not going to get the opportunity to be decently paid to race in F1 potentially anywhere else so I, I can see him saying it has if I was Haas and I was making it purely based on driver ability and what they offer then I'd go Hulkenberg Behrman but yeah Joe who's a really good guy to work with decent consistent driver works very very well with teams I think he could be quite good in in that regard and he'll work well with Behrman so I, I think we're going we're going with Joe for the for the commercial appeal uh element but yeah that there's not the, once we get this far down the grid has to going to be the last team to have the choice ultimately unless they do something unexpected this year and even then people are going to want to go to other teams i i think so yeah Agreed. that's that's the one there's so many knock-on effects it could end up being a completely different landscape there's two other things we should remember firstly that there's a number of drivers in f2 who could force their way into the equation i mentioned actually doing who's the Alpine Reserve, who's not racing in F2 this year, but there's Victor Martin as well, who's the highest placed uh, returnee to F2 this season. Very fast driver, still perhaps needs to just continue to chip away at the consistency, but he's someone with ability. There's there's loads of drivers with uh, uh, with alliances with F1 teams in F2. Does speaking of which, does Ferrari have any other prospects? We're getting very excited about Behrman, which I think is correct. But is there a scenario where Haas just becomes the Ferrari junior team in 25 and has Behrman plus another? I know Schwartzman's done a bit. Is this, is he on the radar for Ferrari? Is there anyone else? I think Schwartzman is absolutely going to be kind of a guy who does a lot of simulator work for Ferrari and okay. has uh, has a long career probably racing Ferrari machinery of some sort elsewhere. Um, so I don't see that. that they've always they've never really become that uh, that junior team, have they? For for Ferrari, I, I don't know, really but, but Steiner was resistant, wasn't he? Whereas I feel exactly, like yeah. Gene won't be, you know. So it, it may be, you know, if, if Ferrari say, "Oh, look, we want this to happen, and we're prepared to help this happen financially," then maybe. But I don't see. Obviously, Dino Boganovic is probably the next most senior behind behind Berman, but I don't, I don't see anyone making a compelling case for Ferrari to facilitate their path to F1 at the moment. I don't know if you agree with me on that Scott I think it's a few more years it's going to be some of the younger ones coming through who might uh, who might be able to make a case not not for 2025 I think someone like Boganovic would need to 
dominate F3 this year and then probably put up a really good F2 rookie showing fighting for the title and winning races properly as an F2 rookie to really ignite enough momentum around him to get onto the grid. But even then you're talking 2026 onwards. But Boganovic has had too long... If Hass is still there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Boganovic has had a bit too long kind of being really solid in junior formerly and there's still there's clearly a good driver there is there is there an outstanding f1 level driver there not really convinced but um i just think ferrari's not i mean you know what ultimately when you do these junior programs you're looking for what you're looking for probably like a a driver for 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 four or five years that's kind of it's okay you know and beerman's that that sort of era of driver at the moment so what ferrari needs now is a mega driver they just need someone that they can bank on that's coming out of karting or is in f4 or something like that and they know that three or four years down the line they'll have another one who's ready to slot in or maybe may, may be in that position i don't really think you need to stockpile um your, your juniors especially if you end up in a red bull situation where you stockpile seven quite average drivers um at sort of f2 f3 level so now i don't i don't really think there's anyone else banging on the door and it's the same at alpine that's why i haven't considered any of the the juniors there i just don't think any of them are are good enough. It's the same reason Teo Porsche is not going to get a look in anywhere, even in the stake era of Sauber. Um, they, they they just aren't. They're, they're they're F1 juniors, but how much they're F1 juniors who are going to use that link to become professional drivers elsewhere? I think they'll they'll improve. They'll get something out of it, but they're not going to get an F1 seat out of it. And that there's there's always the possibility that someone in F2 might might rise and become a contender. Someone like Gabriel Bortoletto, who wasn't really hotly tipped as GP3, uh, F3 rather, I've gone back in time, <laughs> F3 champion Showing last year. Showing your you know, age. You know, he had a, a a handy record in Formula 4 and Formula Regional, and then he won F3, and so he's stepping up. I think he's McLaren-aligned Bortoletto, isn't he? So people like this, people like Zach O'Sullivan, who are Williams-aligned. So there's always the possibility we could see something like that happen. The other confounding factor we have to bear in mind is the Andretti possibility. Obviously, they've... The FIA said they can have the 11th entry. They still seem to be thinking they could be on the grid in 2025 in their own right. That would astonish me if that happens now. But Only if Gene Haas sells, I think, now. Exactly, yeah. So there's always the possibility that will change things. Let's say Haas was sold to Andretti or, or something. That would change things uh, uh, significantly, I would say. But again, that's another one of those confounding factors. And I think probably what what you can say from this is because right from the very start, even in the seemingly most stable lineup, there's endless curveballs that can be thrown in that just completely change the whole playing field tells you what potential there is for this to be a fascinating uh, driver market i'm sure that our predicted lineup based on what we know now and what we can anticipate is not going to come to pass but we've just tried to base it on the most likely things that are going to happen so I'll, I'll just review it and then give scott and ben the chance if they want to swap anyone round. Uh, we've got red bull verstappen and ricardo mercedes hamilton and russell ferrari leclerc and Sainz. McLaren, Norris and Piastri, Aston Martin, Alonso Stroll, Alpine, Pierre Gassi, Valtteri Bottas, Williams, Perez and Andrea Kimi Antonelli, Alfatari, Lawson and Sonoda, Stake, Albon and Ocon, Haas, Joe and Oli Behrman. Anyone having any late regrets or uh, wanting to swap anyone around there or do you think that's as good as we're going to get it? Not, not regrets. I don't think regrets. I think there's a degree of... The ob- the obvious one that could could slot in somewhere is Hulkenberg, but I don't. I just think the different circumstances around him and where he is now just that that makes it a bit. 
it's just realistic, you know, that he drops in the same way as when he drops off the grid the first time, right? Is you could have you could have seen various areas that he he slotted on the grid and stayed in in Formula One, but it just didn't happen because he's just probably not going to be anyone's first choice, and you just never quite end up as enough of a priority to stay on. I mean, the big one that, in terms of the doubt is Aston Alonso and Stroll, but I think there's enough there to be fairly content that we've gone with continuity there that's that's the area i can see circumstances through 2024 changing most exactly and it has have so much knock-on effect that it's uh yeah the lower we go down the list the more chance there is for there to to be changes ultimately and the, the one thing we can say though is that the driver pool is quite small unless you want to bring in an experienced driver and obviously there's so little opportunity for testing and and running that that's quite a big gamble which is why we've only suggested well we suggested two rookies which is uh, better than <laughs> better than this year but it means it's it takes quite a lot for newcomers to come in even though most of these teams have got all manner of juniors scattered around the uh, uh, the foothills of F1 the two that i wanted to see on the grid Antonelli and Behrman are on our list so that's a big box ticked for me I do think Sargent should drop off and I, I think even though I've tried to place Hulkenberg at pretty much every team I I do concede that effectively he and Magnussen are both emergency stopgap drivers that came in under unforeseen circumstances so it kind of makes sense that they would drop off once those circumstances change significantly and Hulkenberg turns 37 this year and yeah. that's why he, he he can only exist really as a as a slot in safe pair of hands option, which is which is when when which would be the result of a of a knock on effect. I, I think there's there's a uh, you know, there's a there's a reasonable chance he'll still be on the grid, but he's just not in a mighty position at this stage. That might change as time goes on. Yeah, I don't think he's anyone's number one choice, is he? I, I mean, also he he wasn't Hass's number one choice. They wanted Ricardo, who obviously at that time decided he didn't he wasn't interested in making that kind of drop down the grid so <laughs> a very good move uh, on his part so yes so, <laughs> so i think uh, yeah ultimately in the game of musical chairs Hulkenberg and Magnussen you know now that Steiner's gone and the direction that team is changing i think both of them drop off so yeah Sergeant Hulkenberg and Magnussen are the three that that fall off aren't they exactly yeah and there's i guess the other name we should throw into the mix very briefly is mick schumacher who is on mercedes books obviously ah. seems to be heading sports cards but I, I can't see a scenario where where mick schumacher becomes a driver you know he's 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 perfect he's perfectly decent but i just don't i just don't see him having what he needs to to eclipse no. any I, of the other drivers in does, terms of getting does he even get a shot if you know, hamilton retires at a awkward time and they just need to stop gap for a year alongside Russell I don't I don't really I think I think if you're Mercedes and you need to stop gap in that situation you'd be better off picking up a more experienced driver or yeah. Bottas or someone like that if he's willing, willing to do it I think they'll they would be able to find somebody wouldn't they he was contractually available at short notice so yeah I, I think I, his Mercedes chance would be a you know a Oh, in weekend can't do a couple of races so yeah yeah, yeah. Or here in, you go you get pitched in yeah Daniel Ricciardo hand injury type event yeah I, I so I think Schumacher's just there for marketing purposes isn't he and he's he's going to go off and do WEC and that's about right for him so yeah I, I don't think he's a serious factor for anyone really right well I think we've uh, we've covered off all the eventualities like we say this is predicted based on 
what we extrapolate may happen. It's almost certainly not going to be accurate, but hopefully it's given everyone a bit of an impression of what the lay of the land is in terms of this. And obviously the way things work is the the bigger teams tend to get things sorted out uh, earlier. So I guess Ferrari is the obvious one at the front of the queue. We think Leclerc's pretty much uh, pretty much a done deal anyway. And it sounds, Fred Vasseur said before Christmas, he'd quite like to get it sorted before the season starts. So it's not impossible. Leclerc and Sainz could be confirmed before the season. But if they don't confirm their full lineup, then that Sainz scenario that's been talked about that Scott put forward could be coming to pass. What, whatever, so- whatever scenario Scott's put forward, we know is not going to happen. He, <laughs> he made that disclaimer at the start of the podcast. So all you have to do is listen back and whatever he said is going to happen won't happen. Exactly. But if, uh, if yeah, if, if there is a science move, then that sort of has such a big knock-on effect, it skittles all our predictions. So, uh, yeah, let's see how accurate uh, we are. I can pretty much guarantee that won't be the lineup, but it's a rational and extrapolatable order for, for next year based on what we know now. Well, thanks very much, Scott and Ben, for playing the prediction game. Head to therace.com. Don't forget the hyphen loads to read there on F1 and the rest of the world of motorsport. Check out our other podcasts, including Bring Back V10s, which tells classic F1 stories. That's in its ninth season right now. The Race F1 Tech Show with a legend that is Gary Anderson, our IndyCar, Formula E and MotoGP podcasts as well. And if video's your thing, head to YouTube where we've got long and short form videos. Well, we're going to sit back and see how the driver market plays out, but we'll be back soon with everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. The Athletic.